Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mal. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched A League of Their Own, directed by Penny Marshall and released in 1992. The story of A League of Their Own goes something like this. During World War II, while male baseballers were fighting overseas, a women's professional baseball league was set up. A League of Their Own tells the story of sisters Dottie and Kit and their teammates. Yes, that's what that movie is about. Um, okay, so I hadn't seen The League of Their Own since I was, like, young. Yeah. I'm not sure how young, but all I remembered was the scene with the old people at the end and Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, I remembered <laughs> the baseball. I think I'd seen it as a teenager. This movie was super popular at my boarding school, which was a very sporty sort of place. So we used to watch it a lot, but all I can remember were the baseball scenes. I couldn't remember the bit at the start with old Dottie and stuff. I could remember the bit at the end, but not at the start. Yeah, and I, I knew- could remember. Um, I knew about yeah, I, I, I knew it was about baseball, so I remembered some of the baseball stuff. I remembered the splits thing. Yeah, and Rosie O'Donnell, mm-hmm. and that was about it. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> when I saw it again, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. Laurie Petty was in this movie. I didn't know, like, <laughs> and I've known who Laurie Petty is for a while. So, yeah, yeah, I had no idea when I when I first watched this. I think I must have been like preteen. Mm. Oh yeah, could easily have been as well. But I, I, I mean, I don't remember it coming out of the movies, but I definitely remember watching it on video. So it's directed by Penny Marshall, um, who puts a role in there for her brother <laughs> and her daughter. Her daughter's in it. Yeah, something Reiner. She's um Betty Spaghetti. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Something Reiner. Was Penny Marshall married to Rob Reiner? Uh, hang on. i got to look that up. I didn't know to that. one another. And they have a kid who was in the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, his name, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Tracy Reiner. There you go. So the movie covers, most is mostly just about um, Gina Davis. I would say almost entirely about Gina Davis because I don't really think it's about Kit. Because when I came out of it, I was like, what does Kit learn in this movie? nothing. She has no arc. Her arc is, I'm going to be a brat until I get what I want. And then she gets what she wants and la la la. Yeah. I was actually really frustrated with that. Um, I couldn't actually remember her. Like, I didn't even remember her from the – when if you had asked me before I watched this last night what this movie is about, I'd be like, Gina Davis and her teammates. I'd forgotten the whole sister plot was even in there because the sister is such a brat. She's such a brat. Like, she – I mean – She's I, – I could sort of understand at the beginning. I also don't know how old she's supposed to be because she's acting like she's 13 years old. Mm. She's not acting like an adult at all. No. They yeah, – um, I, don't, I don't know. She's definitely, definitely younger than Gina Davis but probably meant to be like a 19 or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but she's acting like a like a young right, teenager. Right, She's acting like she's in middle school. You know what she acts like? She acts like Dawn in the first season that Dawn was in Buffy when she was like acting much younger than she really was at that point in time. That's what I'm saying. Like she's, it's like she's in middle school because that's why I think when I watched it as a teenage girl, I could probably relate to it because I was just out of middle school or in, still in middle school. So yeah. I can kind of relate to the whole being really competitive and having a friend who's always better than you and you want to beat them and like you, you yeah, can relate to that. Yeah, but even if you can relate to that, like – there's no moral to that story. And also it's not like I could understand I can understand being competitive and, and the fact that it was really hard for her because her sister is so much prettier and better than her at everything and all that sort of stuff. But she doesn't learn anything about it. She acts like a brat, she gets swapped to another team, and then her team wins yes. based on her doing exactly what she shouldn't have been doing. Right. Like it doesn't make sense. The whole storyline is bunk. Bunk. 
<laughs> I don't like it. I don't like her storyline and it kind of soured things a bit for me. Like I felt like she should have learnt something mm. rather than just like she got what she wanted and that made her nicer. Yeah. Which was dumb. Like if she was going to learn, I mean, maybe she sh- it should have been set up from the beginning that she has to go her own way and be her own person. But that's like, I, I thought maybe that was where they were trying to go, but that's not where it went really. Mm. Well, if you think about Gina Davis's character also kind of doesn't really go very far. Like at the end, she still adheres to what she said she'd do at the start, which is that when her husband comes, she's going to give up. But like, she doesn't like – She still goes, plays out the season. Yeah, she, she plays definitely out learns that – like I, I think she learns a couple of lessons. One of them is letting Kit go, yeah, which I think one. is one is her main sort of arc in this. Mm. Like she's too controlling at the beginning and at the end she just lets Kit go. Right. Um, she lets her do her own thing, and I think that's the – and then at the end, they obviously have a much healthier relationship when they're older, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that was the storyline there. Um, that was her main arc. But she also, like – she she realizes across the course of the movie that baseball is something that she loves, but then she just prioritizes her family over that, and that's fine. Yeah, I know. That, I think that's acceptable. I quite liked the moral of that story, that she could do this one thing for a little while, and that was good, and then she embraced that. But then, you know, she... Well, it's an interesting, actually, when you think about it, it's an interesting way of looking at women's stories, and it's very much a woman's story, is that she's... <laughs> Puck's just, like, walking all over Melissa with his tail in her face. <laughs> and she's being very professional. I'm a consummate professional. I have a cat butt in my face. I- I'm holding onto my wine so it doesn't spill, though. Sorry, where were we Yeah, yeah. so I was – see, I think it's Women's possible stories. that I'm, like, personally disappointed with that because it's not a choice I would make. But as a woman's story, like a women's story, that's a really interesting one because it- so often – like women, a lot of women actually make that choice, and they're happy with their choice, and it's and you can see why with Bill Pullman. I mean, he's a. I I thought he would be a jerk because I'd forgotten what happened. Yeah, I thought he would come back and be a jerk and be like, "You have to come back with me." But when she makes the decision to stay in the league, he's super supportive, and he well, he's sitting in the stands going, "That's my wife. She's the best player in the league. Yeah. He's great." So you can understand why she wanted to stay with him. Like right. he was and a really everyone else's husbands were awful. Yeah, like, there were so many bad boyfriends and bad husbands that she actually had a good one. Well, no, I mean, there were not really. Well, yeah, there were two. So, yeah. so what I thought was that it was actually a really good spread of women's stories. Mm. Like all the background women have that. different kinds of stories. Yeah. So there's the woman whose husband is a jerk and is like, oh, you have to take care of the kid. And so she has to bring the kid with her on tour. But then there's also – and then there's Rosie O'Donnell whose boyfriend is a jerk. Mm. Um, but then you've also got um, Marla, who's the awkward who, girl, yeah, who, who falls up. in love of, over the course of the um, – the thing, and then you've got Gina David Dotty, who um, has the really sweet, supportive boyfriend. You've got um, um, Rosie O'Donnell's father, who's very, very supportive and a great sort of. So there's a whole lot of different kinds of relationships and different kinds of stories in here that I really appreciate. I, I was actually going to get into that. Is that I? What I love about this is the real diversity of women, and then it also we talked last week or the week before about this trope, which I've now found out is called the abhorrent admirer, where fat or butch or non-conforming women are made fun of because they have sexual desires or they're interested in men. Mm-hmm. And this movie completely turns that trope on its head with Marla Hooch and also with Rosie O'Donnell's character, both of whom form relationships with really lovely men who love them just as they are, See, I butch really, and fat or whatever as they are. I really still think that Rosie O'Donnell 
in this movie is playing a lesbian, not just is a lesbian in real life, but is playing one. She's in love with Madonna and like Madonna keeps sleeping around with other guys and there's like a power struggle there. And I think eventually they just sort of settled down somewhere and the people in town called called them gal pals or something like that. And they live together until probably, probably my theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just saying it's a nice change to see like there's, the whole, the team represents a huge spectrum of women. There are mm. some who are butch, some who are super femme, like there's a Miss Georgia. There's some who are really sporty, really tall, like Gina Davis. Like there's oh, oh there's fat women, thin women, smart women, smart, not so women, smart women, women from different backgrounds, like angry women. There's like a couple of Italians, a couple other back, like lots of different backgrounds. Some girls from the country, girls from the city, like, and they have that one moment where there's a there's a black girl who throws the ball really well. Oh yeah, and there's a moment where they sort of go, well, maybe Gina we should Dur- integrate Davis the league. Sort of like, sorry, you can't be in the league. Like, not like in a bad way, but in but more like, of a like genuinely sympathetic, like, yeah, yeah, it sucks kind of way. And it's only one shot. It was interesting that that wasn't like played out more, but mm. there was definitely this huge sort of spread of women across there. Mm. And, um, and they did all have different things, um, different backgrounds and, and different ideas of who they were. Madonna was, um, a very sexual character and wasn't shamed for that. No. Um, so there's a lot of, and she was really great in this movie, by the way. Oh, apart from that stupid song at the end, which just get to that really doesn't fit. Like it, apparently it was written for the movie, but it just, I just felt like it just didn't fit. Like it was just ooh. anyway. Well, it, but apart okay. from that song, this is the best thing Madonna's ever done, right? I feel like that song could have maybe come in earlier in the movie at a time when it was sad or, or like right maybe right at the beginning of the movie where like Gina Davis first comes to the place and she's like, oh, it used to be my playground or something like that. Mm. But at the very end of the movie where you're supposed to feel happy and then it comes on to that song and it's the da- most it's downer really- note to end the yeah. movie on. Especially as the credits, over the credits, we've got the real women of the uh of the All-American Girls Baseball League playing in the background, like at their reunion, these women who are now 60, 70 years old playing, and they're all so super competitive. They're still really good, and they're fighting with the umpires. It's a fantastic montage to have under the end of the credits, right? But there's this really downer song, and it, I mean, maybe it could have been used as a theme through the score or something. I don't. It just didn't work. But no. anyway, that's, that's such a minor complaint. The music in general. Okay, here's the thing. This movie has dated badly Mm. it is badly dated um the period stuff is almost all still good although i still don't think laurie petty actually looks like she belongs in that time Mm. like madonna did better (laughs) at looking like she belonged in that time laurie petty didn't look like she she looks like the sort of penultimate like late 80s early 90s girl Mm. um yeah yeah same with some of the male characters. You were like, oh, that's such an 80s character. And the, the suits are really 80s about um, John Lovitz's character and... And the guy he talks to on the yeah. train who's like, oh, I made all these sales. Yeah. is such an 80s character because that's all like Gordon Gecko kind of um, and and all that era of like big business and the salespeople who move that, work their way up through the ranks. And clearly like Penny Marshall took issue with that because there's a um, pretty snarky line from John Lovitz at that point. But, like, is this really the forum for that? Because that he didn't belong in that movie. Mm. He no. dated the movie. It was really John bad. Lovitz kind of did too, and I was I didn't like him. He pissed me off a lot. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Though Laurie Petty's like her hair's not right. Her, but D- Madonna's fantastic at looking at like she's from a different era. Like her, she's done all. Because mm. she's constantly doing experimenting with fashion and her hair and the way she looks. Like she, yeah, yeah, but I'm she like, usually no does trouble. it. 
like she does it to the fashion of the current era or like what it's about to be. Mm. So it's nice to see her do like actual period stuff and do it really well. And her accent was great in this. I mean, she was just really good in this. Yes. Um, and I totally bought the love story between her and Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that was just such a, um, the way that they like interacted and argued and the way that Rosie got jealous and Rosie's character is called um, Doris. Oh, right. Yeah. Doris and May were those two. Yes. Um, so yeah, I liked, I, I, I had this whole thing yeah. in my head about well, them she during was, the movie. It was a great, those two were a great little performance. Like they were the comic relief. They're yeah. meant to be the comic relief, but they were both really good. I don't, I think, um. But they gave it more than comic relief as well. Right. Like they had real investment and, and pathos in the movie as well. Yeah. Like Madonna brings out genuine emotion and genuine tears at one point. I think it's probably helped along by both of them not having to play too far from their real personalities. Mm. Like they took advantage of Rosie and her comedic persona and all the rest of it and Madonna and her slutty persona and her, you know, city tough city girl kind of mm. stuff. So that it, it was like they they worked with what they had, but they were both really good. Yeah. I mean, but there's nothing I don't think there's anything wrong with that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with typecasting as long as you typecast well. Yeah. Like, because it gives people an opportunity to shine, mm. and they obviously did that with a lot of the people. I I think a lot of them weren't real, weren't actresses, not real actresses, but like weren't professional actresses. They were as picked well. for their ability to play ball. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of mm, slightly dodgy performances in the background, but there's also a lady called Anne. I want to say Coulter, but I know who she is, and that's not who this <laughs> no. person is. Um, who played the religious one, and she was quite good too. Oh, yeah, Anne Ramsey. Um, Anne Ramsey, thank you. Helen, yeah. She was quite good as well. Mm. Um, there were some really good sort of background performances. And I know she's an actress. I've seen her in other things. Mm. The Georgia Peach girl was pretty iffy. Um, <laughs> she was a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there was the lady but um, I appreciated whose husband it, died. And- yeah, that well, that, she's the director's daughter. But oh, I, is she? I, yeah, that's, that's – yeah. Um, but I appreciated that the Miss Georgia was in there because the whole thing about women playing baseball is that they've, like, they're all good at baseball, so they've all had to – come up against stereotypes about women in sport their whole lives and so it's nice to have the real girly girl as well as everybody else like it makes it makes a lot of sense to have a a girl had had that character there even if she wasn't you know, well yeah that's the thing is that different. i like the whole sort of different mm. and and the way they come together as well which is mm. nice um the way they support each other the way that um the introduction of tom hanks's character kind of makes them all band together and work together as a team mm. because he's so useless yeah <laughs> um I and, do take issue with the fact that he was top build. Oh yeah, I know, right? Ugh, that's like, so like it's clearly Gina Davis's movie. Clearly Gina Davis's movie. Also, the woman they cast to play older Gina Davis, mm. we probably have to talk about because mm. we both sh- thought she was Gina Davis in well, makeup. Because because what they did with older Gina Davis and older Laurie Petty is they had the younger actress dub the voice. Yeah, but even without yeah. that, like when I first oh, saw she her when like she wasn't her, right? talking. Because she's tall and she's slim and she just looks like her, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why I – because when I first saw her, I was like, is that Gina Davis? And it took me – Lynn Cartwright, is Lynn Cartwright, yeah. yeah. I, I The whole first scene, I was like, is that Gina Davis? Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is it Gina? I know, and we she both were talking for half of that. We were both like, wow, that's a really good aging job. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the woman really does look like her mm. and she has the same build and she had the voice going for her as well. But it wasn't just that. Like, even before that, I was like, hang on, is it or isn't it Gina Davis for a while? Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas the other older actresses look nothing like the younger versions. Um, and, and the woman who played older Laurie Petty was like, 
the same height as older <laughs> Gina Davis, which um, in the movie, like, Kit is half Dottie's size. Like, she, yeah, is, Gina she Davis, comes up to below her shoulders. Well, Gina like, Davis tiny. is, like, six foot something tall. Yeah. She's a tall girl, and <laughs> Laurie Petty isn't. Yes, exactly. So yeah. that was great. Um, that was really funny. I think there's also a bit where you almost feel like – that. Penny Marshall is a really good director mm. and she gets you to the end of the movie and she makes you feel nostalgic for the movie you've just watched. Yeah. <laughs> it's really impressive. Right. Because you see the, you see all the older players and you're like, oh, that was sweet. And all oh, the, the photos. Sisters. And the all photos. All the toned photos that they had from and like actually like filming. Jimmy and his life and yeah, and you see how he's died and then you see like Kit with like a million children. Yeah. Which is funny because of course at the end of the movie that you've just watched, she's running off to have a bit of fun and be young and her sister's like, I'm going to go home and have kids. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's just going to show you that you can do both. Well, exactly. It's And well, it's also showing that Laurie Petty's character is at a different stage in life. Like yeah. they're really, they could... They're supposed to be sisters, but they could be like a decade apart in age. Like you were talking about Laurie Petty behaving like a 13-year-old. If she's not 13, she might well be 18, and Gina Davis's character could well be 25. Like there's a- But even if they are at different life stages, that doesn't excuse Laurie Petty's crappy behaviour. Mm. Like really, she has no right to behave no, the she way doesn't. she does. No, she doesn't. And yeah. No amount of like unfairness gives her that no. right. Well, and, that's and the, the other whole problem point. Is, Life is unfair and you have to just suck it up and deal with it. But it isn't the whole point. Like, that's not what she learns. No, and it's the other not, problem, sorry, the whole point in real life. That's a, you know, life lesson. Not It's not a lesson of this movie. No. no. Um, but the other problem with that relationship is that, like, Dottie is such a saint mm. up until sort of towards the end. Like, yeah. she just tries to do everything right. Well, she's always good. Like, there's no... It, yeah. Even but, when she's, like... But when she tells um tells the pitcher how to um how to pitch so that so that Kit can't hit them yeah yeah like well there she's- like that's a spark of her own and and like, she is competitive mm. but she's willing to put the competitiveness aside so that she and her sister can have a good relationship and her sister isn't willing to do that at all and still isn't willing to do that at the end of the movie no like that's my biggest issue with this movie is that it's a very unsatisfying arc. But, yeah, I, I quite liked a lot of things. Um, It's really interesting to watch the journey of, like, the feminism in this movie because mm, mm. at the beginning there's a lot of people that are just very, very vocal about how completely unimpressed they are with this whole thing. And um, where women should be and what they should be doing. and Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. And then, like, the way that they end up using their sexuality to get more publicity for themselves. Mm. Um, But that's a choice that they make. Yeah. And things like that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make that choice for themselves way after David Strathairn is like, you have to wear these skirts. Mm. Um, David Strathairn's an interesting character because he's he's like that, but mm. he's also a good guy. Yeah. Well, like everybody else, he comes to respect them. Yeah. I feel like he didn't so much not respect them in the beginning of the movie as like, it seems to me like his whole thing was just that he wanted to get all of this done. Mm. And he would do that however he could. Yeah, like he's been given a job and he wants to succeed at the job yes. as opposed to he had a real investment in it. But then he, he got an investment in it towards mm. the end. Like, so he his was that he came to respect them as well. But I think it was less that he didn't respect them at the beginning uh, than that, like, this is what he's been told to do. So he's going to do that to the best of his ability mm. without having any respect for women because nobody did because they're all jerks. Yeah, like, all, that's what I was saying. Like, there's so many nasty men in this movie, like horrible men who are just awful to women and have no respect for them. Even the ones that do are still kind of, ugh, like, 
um, well, there's a lot Marla's of dad with paternal. his whole honey thing. Well, even the fact that they call it the girls' league yeah. instead of the women's league. Like, it's just stupid. It's so – it's just demeaning. Yeah, I mean, that's – And they always call them girls, too. They never refer to them as women or ladies or, like, any other thing. They're always referred to as girls. <laughs> you notice that it? in sports nowadays even – like, even today in sport, you see that. Yeah. You see women's teams, professional teams, or and professional athletes being referred to as girls, even though they're, you know, 25 and have been – training for 20 years and could kick your ass any old day like no but that's it is it's a um but there's there's also a concept of like you you we call people guys and girls yeah like we don't um did you know that you know that girl or something like that we Mm. don't tend to call them you know that woman um but we also don't tend to say you know that man we'll Mm. say you know that guy so our colloquialisms Guys and right. girls. It's a colloquial thing, but like they named the league the girls. League. I know. I, it is a really like, but the, I was going to go on to say that the fact that it's girls is is this kind of diminishing thing, mm. whereas guys isn't that at all. No. Um, but girls is like a, a really sort of patronizing way of talking about women. Mm. Um, and that's what we all use as our colloquial thing. Right. And yes, it's, I agree. That was really <laughs> sensible. I, I was just going to say also like, the men's league isn't even called the men's league. It's called the baseball league. Yes, and then there's and that's the, the girls league because the men's league is the default. That's the case for pretty much all sports now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty like, much. Like there's the league and the women's league and right. the women's league gets no attention, no publicity. But I still I have to say that this – that's why this movie is so empowering Like as a girl, especially if you're a girl who's into sport because it makes it really cool to be sporty and it, it shows – women who are competing at the top of their game and doing really well and people are admiring them. it's really empowering story like it's, it's very sad because you know that the women's professional league didn't continue in that way but it's also kind of empowering to watch mm. um i think i like the bit at the beginning more on reflection because there's this whole scene with dotty and her daughter that I was distracted by because I was too worried about whether or not that was Gina Davis. Um, but her daughter says, when are you going to realize how important this was um, that I thought was really interesting? Because it's clearly having an effect on other generations. Mm. And her daughter's really proud of her for doing it. And it's really interesting to see how that has affected later generations and people now to see what they did um, in during the war and things like right, that. Right. That's so true. Because – there are so many awesome women's stories from that period. Like you hear about all these amazing lady code breakers at Bletchley Park and you hear about your Rosie the Riveters and all these women who went out during the war and took up really non-traditional professions and did something amazing. Yeah. And that has an effect on their kids. Like that has – that's like my mom isn't – there's a lot of a tendency, especially when these kids would have grown up in the 50s and 60s and probably their mothers would have been at home and they – there could have been a tendency to grow up and think, oh, she's just a mum. She's always been my mum. But knowing that your mother actually did something amazing, that has an effect. I think that's I great. I feel like the effects of the war were then felt most keenly in the – like the, the effects of what women did in the war were most keenly felt in the 60s because what you've got is like this huge um, unfortunate backlash against it, which we keep When getting. Penny Marshall was coming of age, by the way. Um, yes. Yeah. So, but you keep getting this thing where like, we'll have a big sort of liberal push for rights and equality and all that sort of stuff, which in this case didn't happen because people were pushing for it so much as because the men were all all fighting, but then you will have the conservative backlash against it. Right. Right. So, and that's what the fifties and early sixties were. They send all these women who'd gone out to work back home. They refused to employ them. They wouldn't let them keep their jobs. They wouldn't let them keep their baseball leagues. 
And then when their daughters and their sons were in their 20s, mm. you suddenly get there's and That's then there's another waivers. And the and well, yeah, Vietnam War. Is the Vietnam War happens, and suddenly everybody's becoming really liberal because they're all being raised by these women mm. who were doing really impressive things during the war. Yeah, it's it's a, so it's very impressive. One of the screenwriters is a is the son of a one of the um, professional girls baseballers, and so like the the people who have made this movie are of that generation. The sort of they're, they're the children of those World War Two era women who were working. I just had a uh, thought. Do you think that maybe the little boy was based on him when he was a kid? Yeah, no, I think he was. He's uh, like, I was such an awful child. I'm going to write myself into this movie as a really awful child. But then that would make sense as to why he's like such a sort of sensible grown up. Right. Well, and it's probably true because that's the whole thing. When you're an adult, you look back at yourself as a kid and you're like, I was such a little shit. And he was probably just doing that. Because thinking about that, that makes me like that character more. I know. I thought that was even in the movie. It's pretty funny, yeah. Um, especially him with Jimmy Dugan, which is a great like clash. <laughs> yeah, um, that's pretty funny. But and I like, well, and that's an, that whole thing is like an interesting way of telling a another women's story about childcare and and reproduction, biology being destiny, which it particularly was at that time. I quite liked um, Tom Hanks's Jimmy Dugan's like arc through the movie. That was really well handled. Um, mm. I like that there was clearly a sort of an attraction between him and Dottie. Yeah, yeah. That they never, neither of them ever acted on and they never pushed it and they never, like, took it somewhere that was inappropriate. Uh, well, this is one of the sophisticated things about this movie is that you, there is an obvious attraction between them, but she's married, she's made a commitment, so she's sticking with her husband and she's also... But she also really loves her husband. Yeah, it's not like ge- a duty well, thing. No, but she, yeah, she genuinely loves her husband, but she's also got the, what we're talking about at the very start, the... The fact that she's happy to make a choice where she prioritizes family over playing, even though she loves playing and she had a really great time doing it, it's a, a kind of a, it's not an easy ending or a decision, and but it's also a very real decision. Like people make real compromises in their real lives, and it works out fine, and they're happy with it, and they mm. it doesn't fall into a bunch of cliches, is what it doesn't do. Like it, in a typical movie like this husband would have been conveniently killed off or they would have split up because he was a jerk or something like that and they would have got together and it would have all been very happy and she would have played to the end of her days and and it's not it's not easy and it's not and it's not cliched that makes me even more frustrated about the kit storyline because i feel like they were trying to do two different things with those two and it just didn't happen Mm. like i feel like they were trying to say oh well dotty's decided to settle down and and be with her husband and have children and that's good and then Kit's decided to keep playing and move away and be independent, and that's good too, mm. right? I think that was what they were trying to do. But yeah. they didn't do it with Kit. Like, all of the other minor characters have arcs too. Yeah. I, I know, right? Dottie has an arc. And May and... Doris. Oh, Doris. Sorry, not Dottie. Dod- Doris. Yeah, I did that during the movie. <laughs> that's Wait, Rosie. That's, yeah, yeah. And Dottie is Gina. Well, yeah, like even Shirley with her learning to read and like... um yeah, and, May and with Betty. her teaching her. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, well, May with stop getting out of being a dancer yeah, and yeah. moving on with her life. Yeah, every everybody had an arc. Doris, yeah, Doris with the um, realising that she didn't have to settle for anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Even bloody Gary Marshall had an arc. Marla has an arc. Yeah, Marla has an arc. Every single Mm. character learns something, grows during this movie. Um, None quite – Tom Hanks had the best one. Mm. Isn't it funny that even in a movie that's like 
mostly women, all about women, stars a whole heap of women, the man still gets the best story arc, the white guy. Yeah, I don't – yeah, I feel like that was more of a pro-women thing, really. Well, yeah, because, because his, his storyline is that he comes to respect them. I get it. Exactly. <laughs> like, his storyline is, like, women are cool and mm. – um, and I think all well, I think the minor arcs are really great too. Like Doris's arc is mm. um, the the only really the one that Tracy Reiner had was a really sad one. Yeah, because she's like we know her before that as she has this card for that her husband really treasures and um, she wanted to get it signed by Jimmy Dugan and then her husband is dead. Mm. He dies in the war and she did a really good job in that scene actually. Mm. She far outacted Sofia Coppola when she was put in her daddy's movie. Right, yes. <laughs> and had to cry. She's much better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so hers hers was the only really downer storyline. I suppose the mum kind of is too because she's dead by the end of the movie. But by that stage, but you were sort of like, yeah, people are going to die. Like people are going to be dead. Yeah. you know, <laughs> it's life. And that was, you know, so that wasn't really a sad storyline. And she, um, she's the one who cries, right? Is she the one who cries when they he says, "There's no crying in baseball." <laughs> I can't remember who that is. <laughs> is that, that's either her. her or Georgia Peach because they're the two blonde ones on the team. I think it's Georgia Peach. Okay. Actually, yeah. Because that, that's But yeah, no crying a, in baseball. she has a great arc. Well, that's right. Crying. She doesn't cry. Well, they both they have that arc together. She, yeah. st- she learns to stop crying. He learns to coach more appropriately. Yes. So that he doesn't um, make people cry. But it's still a great scene when yeah. she's crying and he's like, there's no, no crying in baseball. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> Thing. One time my coach did this to me. I didn't cry. You know why? Because there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing about this movie, right? And I'm going to circle around to finish it and try and work out how I'm going to rate it. But it, it, there's so many things about this movie that have become so iconic. Like mm. that line, There's it's seeped its way into at least my consciousness and part of my cultural expectations when I view things. I think any movie that is like this, that is so, it was successful at the box office, it was critically successful, and it was about women. And I think any movie like that is going to have an effect on the film landscape. Yeah. Um, because that's that's how it works, is like, because there's so few of them. Um, and I think it's great that Penny Marshall was out there doing movies like this, and they were very, ma- it's very mainstream in its styles its aesthetics like i said it was ve- she's very similar as a director to rob reiner and to a lot of her contemporaries where it's that kind of um there was a lot of that kind of sentimental type stuff um that, that a lot of that talking over each other thing which i noticed in this movie which was very very contemporary for that period dick donnie used to do that as well yeah well actually that's some of the best lines in the movie are like background lines dropped by some character that you only half hear and you're like what what'd she just say yeah. yeah. So all of that stuff is actually quite contemporary, mm. um, which is actually what made it feel like an 80s movie to me. A lot of the time I was like, look at those 80s jumpers and things. Mm. Because it was made in 92, so it w- came out in 92, it was filmed in 91. We forget that the 80s kind of seeped over a little bit into the early 90s. Um, so it's very 80s in all of its aesthetic and its its tone and all that sort of stuff. That kind of light tone mm. where they were dealing with serious things, but they kept a really light tone. The soundtrack dates terribly when it's not in actu- in the actual past. Apart from Hans Zimmer's, the um, score is score. fine because yeah. he does a really he does some really cool stuff, especially that last game where kids coming up to bat and Dottie's at the catcher's mount. Like it's all very um, well. When I heard it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's the score from this movie." Mm-hmm. Um, and it it it's a very reminiscent of baseball as well. It's a really good score, mm-hmm. but the soundtrack is rubbish. 
yeah, um, yeah. that Madonna song, and also the song that plays when she first gets to the yeah, in the, the beginning no- of the movie. It's, oh, it's terrible. The nineties stuff looks more like a period movie than the forties yes, stuff. Yes, it that yeah. stuff dates badly, <laughs> um, really badly. Um, but you know, th- there was a lot of things that are very contemporary for that period that that yeah. are coming up in this movie. Um, and you're right, Penny Marshall is one of a particular group of directors, including Rob Reiner and Steven Spielberg, like that whole. And to a certain extent, Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron, yeah. Um, but Rob Reiner also directed Stand By Me, mm-hmm. which this reminded me of a little bit as well. And then Richard Donner, who directed The Goonies. Sorry, this is, this is super nerdy. <laughs> Well, like yeah, all of this. and the, well, the part of the reason we chose this movie was because we're trying to focus on more movies by women directors, mm-hmm. and it was kind of amazing to find one that's so mainstream. And yeah, and uh, and I think it's it w- it's a shame that Penny Marshall didn't do a lot of movies like this, mm. and that she isn't still directing, as Is far she? as I know. I have no idea. I haven't actually. I don't know. She's she's definitely still around because she's still active. Yeah, yeah, she's still active and still working. So I don't know. I don't know if she's directing or not. I I haven't. I, we'll I, check I think that I had out. a look at her IMDb and there wasn't anything from a certain period. See, yeah, I thought they did a good job, at least with the hair and makeup. But the makeup was good, I thought. Um, and some of the costumes, like their their baseball costumes, were clearly on point. Mm. But some of the other costuming was maybe not so on point. Okay. And even the film stock. There's a particular kind of film stock that they used in the 80s. Right. It definitely looks like it. you can tell when it was filmed. And there's been well, – we we watched it on Netflix, to be fair, so we just got a stream of it. But there was no – there seems to have been no conversion to Blu-ray or mm. di- like nice it DVD. It was very low res. Print done. So I had – it just looked like an old movie to me, so I wasn't really paying too close attention to that. But I think yeah, it would be I'm- interesting to have a Blu-ray print done. Unfortunately – you couldn't really tell if it looked good. No, it didn't look good it didn't. because it, it looked like it was made in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is that there's there's all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, even without, like, if you showed me a picture of somebody else in this movie who I didn't recognize as well, I would still go, well, that's made in that period. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Plus, it, it was in the, we were talking about the brief window of, um, of, Taylioni's fame, and this was clearly at the beginning of this. Yeah, she was, there's a very young, Taylioni in the background playing for um, Kit's team. Yeah. Anyway, that was my feeling on it. Mm. Um, I think it. I think it's dated badly, and I didn't like Kit's storyline. Fair enough. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what remarks to give it because I have such happy memories associated with the movie and the the 1940s the baseball portion makes me happy watching it as an adult. It feels a little long. It drags a bit towards the end. It's two hours and seven minutes, and the credits are like. 13,000 hours long. Oh, my God, there's the credits. Madonna song goes forever, man. Like, it's, I swear to God, 10 minutes long. It really is. Those were long credits. The longest credits ever. But like, I don't think anybody was still sitting yeah. in that cinema by the time the credit scene ended. No. But I, but I have very, like, warm feelings attached to it, so I feel like I'm going to give it in the four, four and a half range of stars because I love it, because I have such strong memories, because it's so empowering and because it's so rare to see a movie that has this broad range of women all being people. It's your it, Goonies. Yeah. Well, no, it's not my Goonies. I don't love it the way you love the Goonies, it, but it certainly is a movie that I have strong I, – I can't separate the fact that, that it was important to me when I was younger from my rating of the movie. But, yeah, I, th- I don't know. Maybe a, maybe a four star, I think, for me. I will give it three and a half. Sounds good. 
Anyway, thanks for listening to us to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read our show notes, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. You can find us on Twitter at screen underscore queens. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash silverscreenqueens. You can read Katie's movie reviews on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And I think, is that every, Oh, no, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. And if you wouldn't mind, if you follow us on iTunes, oh, hang on, wait, what was I going to say? Rate and review. I, rate us on iTunes. That's it. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye.